If you have the tendency to be a little bit hard on yourself sometimes when it comes to your dog training or any part of your life like I do, then this is the episode for you. This is the first in a three-part series thinking about these kinds of topics and ways that we can help ourselves so that we can help our dogs. Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr. Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Letters from Your Dog podcast. We are on episode number 14. If you have a little bit of time today, if you're driving or cleaning or doing something and you have some time, try and listen to episodes 14, 15 and 16 together. They come as a little trio and the themes that we're going to be discussing over those three episodes, they just work well together. So if you do have some time or if you're coming back and listening to this way after it's been broadcast, then you could, I would recommend anyway, binge listening to episodes 14, 15 and 16 together. Okay, so starting with episode 14, the title of today's episode is It's Not Your Fault, which I know is a little bit of a hook. It's like, oh, a little intriguing. What's not my fault? And what we're going to be talking about today is when things go wrong in your dog training and not just in your dog training, but in your dog's emotional state and their behavior when things aren't quite how we might like them to be. And this can feel very demoralizing sometimes. It can feel very much like we've maybe let our dogs down or we haven't done as much or we haven't done quite what we needed to or in the right order. Maybe we haven't focused on the right things. And we had this idea in our head of what our one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old dog would look like. And it's not quite matching up. And I just want to say to you to start with today that it's not your fault. (laughs) Sometimes we do everything right. We follow a socialization checklist and I've got my own my own ideas about whether they're right or wrong but we do that. We're told that's what we should do and we follow a socialization checklist. We work on our recall, we work on our listening skills, we work on our self-control around exciting things, we work on guests, work on tricks, we work on skills. Whatever it is that you're teaching your dog, you've done everything right and it still goes wrong. Now When I say goes wrong, that sounds very damning, as you probably have gathered by now if you are a listener of this podcast. I don't believe that things ever really go truly wrong. There's always things we can do, not only to make our relationship with our dogs better, but also to improve things like behaviour and fears and anxieties and all that kind of thing. But what I want to think a bit more about today is actually the emotional impact on us. So, Let's say your dog suddenly develops a fear of, of sounds and it's quite um, quite common, I guess, at this time of year. At the time of recording this episode, we are creeping towards Halloween and bonfire night in the UK and all those kinds of fireworks evenings where we start to get those big bangs in the sky that our dogs might be very frightened of. And it's actually a really common thing that I see that puppies will actually not have any problem the first year. So if they are relatively young during first fireworks season, they might not even notice them. And you think, excellent, (laughs) my dog's not scared of fireworks. 
and then it comes around to fireworks the next year and all of a sudden it's a big problem. Why? Well, they're quite an unusual sound, aren't they? So even if you have done some noise sensitivity work with your dog, it's unlikely that you have been able to properly mimic what a firework sounds like, even if you've got recordings of them. It's hard to really properly mimic that for your dog. And often the other thing is people start a little bit too late. So it gets to kind of, I don't know, the 15th of October, we've got 15 days to go. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, my dog, my dog and the fireworks, I need to help them. And by that point, it's often a little bit too late. So Yes, there are things that we can do to help them and help them feel a little bit more secure. Some people go to great extremes in terms if their dog's really frightened, like traveling to places where there aren't any fireworks, that kind of thing. But there's a whole host of things you can do to help your dog. But in that case, that's not something that you've done wrong. It's just something that happens sometimes. And it's unfortunate, but there's things that we can do to help. Where it becomes problematic for us, I think, is when we give it a meaning. So our dog suddenly develops a fear of fireworks or loud noises and we say, oh, that must mean I haven't done proper training for noise. That must mean that my dog's going to become sensitive to loads of noises. This is going to get worse and worse. I know so-and-so's dog down the road that started off with a fear of fireworks and now they're terrified of everything they hear and everything they see and, oh my gosh, this is this is going massively downhill. My dog's not going to be able to do X, Y, Z and spiral, spiral, spiral. <laughs> we end up down the rabbit hole. Now, this is what we refer to as catastrophizing and it's very easy to do. So one small thing goes wrong and you start spiraling out of control and thinking that everything's going to go terribly wrong or you say I've made a mistake here I should have I should have started training earlier well maybe but actually by giving it that meaning and saying oh gosh my dog's scared of fireworks and therefore xyz that doesn't help your dog <laughs> it just certainly doesn't help you either and when we do give things a meaning it affects how we understand the problem or the situation. It affects how we look for solutions to solve the problem or the situation. It affects how we plan for next time and how we consider how to help our dog in future. And it helps us sometimes to make that give up decision. If we decide that, oh, well, that's it now, my dog's scared of fireworks. Every year this is going to be a problem now. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Then we can give up. We can say, you know what, oh, there's no point in even training it. She's scared now and there's going to be fireworks at New Year and it's going to happen again and it's going to happen again when actually there's a lot that we could do to help that dog. So what I really want you to try and think when you find yourself giving a meaning to something that happens with your dog, making it mean something about you, making it mean something about your dog, making it mean something about a future scenario that hasn't even happened yet, try and catch yourself if you possibly can. I'm going to give you one example. So this is nothing to do with dog training. Let's say, well, I'm going to put a dog in it because why not? <laughs> Let's say you're walking down the road um, and there's a guy playing with his dog in the front garden and the dog is really enjoying the hose. So the guy is splashing the hose on the grass and the dog is running around and jumping in it and spraying the water everywhere. Now, you don't see this. You come around the corner and the uh, the the guy accidentally splashes you with the hose so you get a face full of water and it goes all over your clothes and rolls down your face now 
if this happens and you're on a Greek island and it's 34 degrees and you're so hot and sweaty and you're just walking your way back to your hotel, you might be very glad of that experience. You might be like, yes, please do that again. That's really cooled me off. That's exactly what I needed. If, however, you were on your way to a speaking event at a conference and you had just spent, I don't know, 45 minutes doing your makeup and doing your hair and putting nice clothes on and you walk around the corner and got a face full of water, you might be feeling a little bit cross and a little bit frustrated. (laughs) And then there's a third option. Let's say you were doing some DIY, you're wearing old clothes and you popped out to go and grab some screws from the hardware store. Yeah, it might be a mild inconvenience, but it's not going to you're not going to care. You're wearing old clothes, you got a bit wet. Who cares, right? So that's the same situation. You're getting splashed in the face and on on your clothes with a hose. But the meaning that's given to it is completely different depending on the situation that you're in. So we do have the power to control the meaning that we give to situations, especially when it comes to our dog. It is literally just about catching yourself in that moment before you go down that huge rabbit hole. So I'm thinking specifically about fears and anxieties here with dogs, but it could also be things like behaviours they pick up. So they suddenly start nipping at your hands when they're excited, or they suddenly start digging up your garden when they've never done it before. I'm going to give you an an anxiety example for one of my dogs. So we're walking along, and she's always been pretty good at loose lead walking, never had any real issues. We did it from teeny tiny, so no issues. And she kept pulling not forwards but out to the side and I was like that's weird like she was pulling away from me and I looked at the situation couldn't really figure it out okay no worries on the way back same thing happened again and I was like what and my immediate thought was have I done something to damage this relationship why doesn't she want to be close to me what's going on and then I took myself out of the situation I took a bird's eye view of what was happening and I realized what it was as I'd used new poo bags which were very very rustly I'd obviously picked up a poo for one of my dogs on the way there and one of them on the way back and I was holding it in the hand that I was holding her lead in so it was above her head and that rustle of that noise she hadn't heard something like that before she didn't like it for whatever reason that's what she was pulling away from I put the poo bag in my other hand my other dog didn't care at all and she was immediately straight back by my side so rather than going down this scary route of oh my gosh my dog's suddenly pulling I'm not sure what that's about I need to do some more loose lead walking practice I was like no there's some there's a reason for this there's something going on take a step back take that bird's eye view figure it out bit of information that maybe we need to do a little bit of noise work thinking about crunchy and uh, things that make strange noises above your head but you can kind of understand it from her point of view if it's a noise she hasn't heard before and it was really windy so it was really swinging and making a noise and it's right above your head you might be like hey what's that (laughs) get that away from me now that's not anything I've done wrong in my training it's just something that happened and it's something that I can help her with so there's two ways I could help my dog in that situation a stop carrying that bag above her head one (laughs) and b think about how I can do a little bit of noise sensitivity work so that if she is in that situation again it's not going to be as much of a problem for her so my My message today (laughs) is just when these things happen, and they will because our dogs are emotional beings, when things go a bit wrong, just try and shrug it off. It's not your fault. It's not something you've done. 
And when we're thinking about what can we do to help our dogs, that's something we're going to have a little think about in the next episode, episode 15, which goes along with this episode here. So if you've got time now, jump into episode 15 and we will carry on this conversation. Bye for now. Just before you go, I've got three really cool things to talk to you about. So if you didn't catch our autumn series, we do this every single year in the autumn and it's a series of workshops around really common dog training struggles and questions that you guys ask me all the time. So this year we spoke about stress barking and how to help, resource guarding and how to help, separation anxiety and how to help, how to crack your toilet training and my most favourite one that's near and dear to my heart which is how to help your rehome dog feel safe and confident so if you haven't caught those workshops yet I will pop the link in the show notes so you can catch up on those secondly if you have a new puppy or you're expecting one anytime soon maybe one near to Christmas which is always a popular time for puppies be sure to check out my workshop it's a masterclass all about my five training secrets for puppy training magic and it's completely free so I will pop the link to that masterclass in the show notes as well And last but not least, if you have a question that you would like me to talk about or to answer on the podcast, there's a link again in the show notes where you can submit your question live, where you can pop in your question and then I will play it out on the podcast for everyone to hear and then answer it for you. So if you've got something really burning that you would like me to answer, be sure to submit your question live for us and you may be one of the lucky ones, then we answer your question. All right, guys, take care.